Hey everybody, it is Richard Harris here. Uh, Scott Lease is out today, but we've got a great guest on the Surf and Sales podcast today. So thank you for joining us, Justin J. Johnson. We're going to talk about the Triple J's in a minute, but first I want to uh, give a shout out to our friends over at HubSpot. Uh, it is an amazing time for them and for you, uh, particularly as sales leaders. Uh, we know the expectations are high. I actually just wrote the other day about, you know, does anybody know how to do less with more and be successful? Well, something like HubSpot can actually help you do that. Um, and it does a whole lot more than closing deals and cold calls and all that kind of stuff. You're, with everything we have to leverage is, as humans and technology, we do need it all in one place. So uh, there is a new HubSpot sales hub, uh, unifies your data tools and team inside a smart and powerful platform. Boy, that was written by marketing. There's a new prospecting workspace, deal management tools, and AI power tools to help reps optimize based off real-time results. So, um, by the way, as a rep, for those of you who are reps listening, it can automate your busy work so you can focus on the important stuff. So, please check out HubSpot.com. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, HubSpot, for sponsoring Surf and Sales. Without further ado, Mr. Justin J. Johnson, welcome to the show, buddy. Sorry, Scott can't be here to, to join us. All good. Thanks for the invite. Scott's probably out surfing or something, so no worries. Oh, he would never do that without me. He would never, never, ever. <laughs> um, actually, he would. In fact, I think he is next week. Um, all right, first question. Justin J. Johnson, right? The three names. Yeah. First, first question. Did your parents do the JJJ on purpose? Is it a fan? Like I know people with family trends like this, right? Like we have one in our, in our you know, both of our kids' middle names are after American authors. Is there any story there? Or is it just like, I don't know. It's just what they did. Little story. There, there is a trends with the J's in my family. Okay. My, my dad wanted to name me Jay. My mom was hoping for a girl. And I obviously didn't turn out as one. And if it was a girl, if you wanted to name her Justine or Justina. Okay, I was going to say, so, that, that makes sense. So it landed at Justin J. Johnson, so. Got it. And and did they, what do your what do your parents call you? Justin, Jay? Or your, Justin. your mom call you Justin and your dad calls you Jay? It, it's Justin, unless I'm in trouble. You know, still as right. an adult, they'll throw the middle name in there. Which, led me, which leads me to my next question is why, I don't care that you promote as Justin J. Johnson, is it just, branding and it's easier and it's the three j's or you know you just you know because i would be like the same thing richard lowell harris jr you know you're in trouble um you know so why it's just the brand thing well it's it's interesting because when i was in college when people learned my names they just started calling me triple j okay and that's what what everyone called me so then that kind of stuck with me mm -hmm. and then professional world people call me triple j or, and justin j mm -hmm. like, all right that's yeah, this is it so gotcha 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 yeah it's always, it's always interesting and it's and it's and i know you've done this before you know your 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 bout of entrepreneurship so uh which is what i want to talk about because you know it does work as a brand right like you and i have known each other from linkedin for years and we've gotten to know each other over the years and lots of places and stuff so um let's let's dive in so you recently, last six months, gone out on your own, right? You cut the cord. Took the plunge, my man. I did it. And what led to it? Um, and and you know, if it was a 
it was a situation where you kind of had to leave. We don't need to disparage anybody, but just sort of like, what was it? You were done. You were tired. It was the economy. I got laid off. So I figured, what the fuck? Like, what was it? So for me, my, my passion has always been helping people. And that's when I, that's why I got into leadership in the first place. That's why I had so much fun. And I, I had a great ride in the couple places that I went. You know, but I always felt that when a leadership position at a company, in some way, you're a little, you're constrained on what you can coach on. And, mm-hmm. you know, and this is something that, that it's a itch I've wanted to scratch for a long time. Um, you know, I went to a tiny micro conference down in Costa Rica. I don't know if you can guess the name of it. Yes. I think, I think it's called Sales and Surf or, or um, something like that. Sales and Surf with some cool people. Yeah, some guy, some guy with like a really you know, scraggly beard looks a little homeless. He's one of the people yeah. around there. It's another yeah. ball. He has the hobo chic look going, right? So yeah, yes. So I, uh, yeah, from just going to that experience and just talking to other people that were already doing this. So what was? Let's dig in there for a minute, and and because I think. Yeah, I don't mind self-promoting. And I think this is an important piece because we go to conferences, right? Like Dream, when this drops next week, Dreamforce is kicking off. And there's a big difference between a big conference and a little conference, right? Yeah. If you if you think back to when you were having conversations at Surf and Sales, were there one or two moments where it was just like, that's it. That's what made me get it. Or 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 said. Or, or pushed you further. Not that that was the moment you decided to do it, but it was like, what resonated? Sorry, I'm asking four questions at once. No, it's a, I remember the exact moment uh, because I've already, I've always had this entrepreneurial spirit in me. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I wanted to I try to build a business, but I didn't want to just start a business just to start one. That would be something I was passionate about. And the exact moment I was actually surfing with Scott, we're sitting in the water, and we were waiting for a wave to come. And I just was just asking him questions, you know, because his journey is you know, pretty wild and, and what he's accomplished. Mm-hmm. And that's like, when did you know? Like, that was really the question. I'm like, when did you know? And that's all I said. And he knew what I was asking. And then he told me when he knew. And then I told him a little bit of my story. Like, that's when I was like. So what, so what was... If, if you remember, he won't mind us talking about it because I'm pretty sure I know what it is, but what was his moment? What, what was his epiphany? For him, it was, you know, he was killing himself for his company. And at the end of the day, you know, what he told me was, you know, what the owners or founders of the companies primarily cared about is, is them making money and they weren't fully buying into everyone. And, and it was just a giant game. Yep. And uh, and that was when he kind of made the decision in his own mind, like, okay, I need to start to think about how I, you know, yeah. learn the rules of this game to exit. And yeah, that's you know, there's a lot of amazing things that come from working at companies. I owe my career to working at incredible companies. Yeah, but it, but it's still a game, right? And you got to know the rules of the game. You got to know how to play it. Yeah. Most importantly, you got to know if the game's for you. Yeah. That's a great, you got to know if the game is for you. I think that's a, a really great way to put it. And, and I know that journey of Scott. So I was, I was curious. Um, so you take this and you take this piece of information, right? Like here's, here's, you know, someone we know, love and respect. 
and and people do this all the time like you've said things that stick with me and i've said things that stick with you and it happens all over the place what was the first step of action you took after that resonated what was right because it's one thing to hear it and agree with it and and sort of go oh that sounds like me which is what we all need right that kick in the pants so to speak what made you decide to take action on it when did that moment occur for you that moment occurred when I was on that surfboard. It was the same moment. And yeah, but what was the, I'm sorry, what was the first action you did? So you, so you decided in that moment, okay, I'm going to go do this. You didn't leave Costa Rica and quit your job. Like you didn't, right? Like, yes. Yeah, so the first thing that I did was I reached out to my network and shared my intentions of what I'm doing. Because one thing I know about mm-hmm. setting in my career is like, once you make it publicly known, then you have skin in the game. So I wanted to tell people, my, you know, my friends, my, my family that were close to me, like, hey, this is my intentions. And so that was like step one. It's like really put it out there. And two was, you know, it drew feelers out of people that you know, were looking for guidance, coaching, consulting, whatever it was, and you know, learning how to do it on the fly while also you know, simultaneously work to you know, build my brand you know, on you know, social media. Um, and you know, I didn't know exactly like when I was going to say, all right, let's do this all in. But I now had a clear understanding of like the destination for me. Mm-hmm. The destination mm-hmm. I had for me early in my career is I wanted to be a CRO of, you know, $100 million plus sales organization. Like that was my North Star that I ran at. And it was a beautiful North Star because it carried me and it helped me stay focused on the things to uh, you know, grow and develop you know, through my career, you know, but you know, North stars change, right? And for me, I was starting to realize that you know, I think there's something bigger for me out there where I can help a lot more people than just one company of people that I that I, I work with. So this is great because I think this is the this is what people think about all the time, right? Okay, so first you have this conversation that kind of goes, okay, I get it. Then you start to take the action to put that mm-hmm. in plan. And then there was the point you said, well, I didn't say at that moment that I was going to go all in. What was the moment you decided to go all in, right? Like you're sort of, you're, you're taking this step by step. And I think this is what everybody does. When, what happened and when did you decide to go, I'm all in? And I don't mean emotionally all in. I mean, there is the only, the only income you have is your income. So when I went, so the, the path leading up to it, um, earlier this year, I started writing my book, you know, Zero to Club. It's going to come out later this year. There's some awesome contributors in it. Shameless plug. Richard, you're going to be on there. Thanks. Uh, thank you for being a part of it, as is Scott. And I started writing that book because uh, you know, that was going to be a part of me helping to you know, just get back to the community there. But it wasn't until uh, just a couple months ago that I went all in, took the plunge, and you know, cut the cord from what the deck. But what led to it? What what was it? You had enough side clients. Was it you, you know again a lot uh, of laid I off this year? They're doing their side hustles into real. Like what was that moment? I did not have this. I did not follow the journey that you hear on LinkedIn when they say, "Oh, get to 30, 40, 50 percent of your income, then go all in." Right. I had, I mean, no, I had like jack. Right. I was messing around, and that was part of the reason why I said I need to go all in. Because the way I operate, 
with my you know, W2. It's like, I go all in. That's how I'm able to do what I do at a high level. So because of that, you know, I had little to no energy to dedicate to this, this passion project. Right. And then I, once I started having a hard conversation with myself, I said, look, what do you really want to do? Right. You know, you don't want to look back and say, what if, so why not do this now? Mm-hmm. Worst case scenario, give it a year. You hate it. You can always go back. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's part of my decision-making like matrix. I always go worst case scenario. What's worst case scenario? Yep. Yep. I think that's fair. Um, what kind of, what kind of personal support do you have around you? My wife is amazing. I couldn't do this without my wife. That's, that's a key piece. Do you, have, do you all have kids yet? I don't know that about you. We do not. We have dogs, which okay. I fully agree, like are not as yeah. much work as kids, but I hate, I feel like they're my kids. Yeah. So I want to, you know, cause you know, I always love these personal stories, right? Like, so you, you, you know, your wife, you know, it's not like you sprung this on her, right? She knows what you've been doing. She's paying attention. But at some point as, as a couple, you have to have the conversation. Okay, my income's going away for a little bit, right? And yeah. uh, now, you know, again, you know, as, as my psych- psychologist once told me in therapy, he's like, you know, the best thing about finding the right partner is do they always have your back, right? And it sounds like your wife always has your back and you always have hers. How did y'all walk through that? Because I think that's, you know, the income piece is a big fear, right? And it's different if you're single. It's different if you're with a partner. It's different if you're partnered with kids. It's different if you're single with kids, right? Like there's different levels of responsibility. So for y'all, how did that conversation go? Was it an easy conversation? It was pretty easy. Uh, And the reason why is because we've been structuring or working to structure our finances in a specific way since we became a couple. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I've always done is, you know, subscribe to the idea of like, ignorance is not bliss when it comes to two things, your money and your body, right? So you've got to learn how money works and you got to learn how your body works. Mm-hmm. So for the money part, one of the things we've always worked towards and we weren't always there until you know, recently went all in with this mindset of like getting to a point where we can live off of only one income. And yep. then- the other person's income gives us freedom to do whatever we want, investing all these things, because you know, what, what everyone wants is freedom, right? Yeah. To do what you want, when you want, where you want, who you want. Yeah. And that's going to happen if you are expenses, you are just below our income. So yeah. we've been working towards that, but I would say like anyone, you know, anyone who may not have a spouse that you can do this or you're less on the end on your income, you know, could you move in with your parents for a year? I'm sure they'd take you in, right? In most cases, like what can you do for a year to you know cut your expenses down as much as humanly possible to save, yeah. right? And that's that's what we did. We cut out a lot of spending, and we still do as I build a business. Um, yeah. But it was it wasn't a very difficult decision once we walk through the numbers of it. Um, so it's been great. That's awesome. That's awesome. Kudos to your wife. Um, so I, awesome. I'd love to have her here and ask her what's it like to be married to Triple J. Right? See, that's that's going to be a different equation where she's she's like, oh, let me tell you about Josh. I know, I know. That's the equation I want. So um, I want I want to know that math equation. So digging in a little bit more, um, you know, seriously, that that's 
that's not always easy to do. I loved your part about understanding your finances and, you know, I, I'm in the same boat. I've done a ton of stuff in stocks. My wife has done a stuff in real estate and, you know, the cute, the, the, look, I'm not a financial advisor, so don't take my advice. One of the things I've learned that I missed out on that I've learned from my wife and father-in-law is that it's good that I've had stuff in stocks. My income's increased, but it's all in places I can't really use it, right? As opposed to real estate where you start small and you can start to get some income, even though you're investing out, you get some monthly income coming in, right? And then over time that grows and then you sell the property, you know, all that kind of stuff. So that's the one mistake I made, which was doing everything in stocks, but um, I've done well. I just don't access the money, right? As opposed to real estate where you don't necessarily access the money, but you have income coming in every month. So that's a that's a big plus for people, to your point, who, as you said, you got to learn about your finances. You got to learn about your body and your health and all that stuff. Um, I mean, if you, you just allocate like a percentage of your income. And this right. is what taught me early. They said, look, and this is what they told me when I was broke and I didn't have any money to invest. Yeah. That'd be make it hurt now. Yes. And what that was, well, it doesn't matter if you're investing, you know, $10 a month or you're building the habit of investing a percentage of your income. Yep. yep. Right. And so we've, so we've been disciplined where I always try to get above, you know, 20 yep. to 20% of our income, yep. invest in some capacity. And then yep. as your income grows, you keep the same percent, right? But yep. you're just, yep. I did, um, you know, it's interesting too. Like I think, you know, and you hear about it all the time that, you know, if your company does have a 401k, right? First piece of advice is do what you can. Try to max so you get the same match every year. If you can't, do what you can because you actually don't feel like you're losing the money. It's being taken out and shifted through yeah. that deposit, right? Like, so I was a big fan of that. I'm also, I don't know, have you, have you done Acorn yet? I know we're shifting. I tested out Acorns a little bit of- uh... yeah. First game out, I play with it a little bit. So I do it. And so like my debit card, like when I go down to the store, like it rounds everything up to the next dollar. And I think I've saved in four or five years, I think I've saved like five grand that I never even knew I missed. And then you can invest it in their little um, mutual funds and stuff. So it's like, it's just funny. It's like, and then you can access it. So it's like, oh, all right, well, that becomes my vacation fund after five years or that becomes... Or I take it and put it in something else that I can invest in, whatever. But you know, there's there's lots of little ways to save, right? Well, that, that's the thing. Like it's it's people think about investing or making a big change, mm-hmm. and they see this massive thing. But if you just chunk it down to, hey, if I just round up every transaction, mm-hmm. like that's doing it right. You know, a dollar a day right. adds up, right? It's like the right. you think like micro decisions. And then they compound and stack. Yeah. Right? But, you know, they like this massive thing. Right. Right. So it's, it's anyway, so I'm, I'm glad we brought this up and, and I'm glad, you know, again, congrats on, on being able to cut the cord and not everybody in the situation you are. And so I love the advice of, you know, going back to your folks, granted, you know, I was once at home with my mom and my sister and my mom, my sister looked at my mom and said, you know, mom, I love you. And I love visiting, but I don't know if I could ever live with you again. And, course without missing a beat my mom said well no one's asked you to move in so <laughs> anyway but that's our family so uh i think the younger generation is a stronger connection um one shift a little bit right i don't know this whole story uh we were chatting a little bit before online um 
and you were you were saying you've had 30 surgeries in your life. So yeah. adversity is, you know, whether this company fails, this is not a major adversity to you, it sounds like, right? No. Yes. So. <laughs> so again, you know, help people understand a little bit, tell, tell whatever you're comfortable telling and how that's affected you and your drive and passion. Yes. I didn't even tell you this, but I actually almost died twice, uh, not just once. Um, so I was at birth. I was the first ever ECMO baby at Children's Memorial in Chicago. The first what? Uh, first ever ECMO baby at Children's okay. Memorial in Chicago. What is that? ECMO stands for extracorporeal membrane oxygenation, which essentially means your heart and lungs is being, they're using like machines to operate as your heart and lungs. Wow. Uh, so uh, obviously I was a baby, so I don't really remember that part. Right. But, you know, uh, when I was 10 years old, uh, I got into a snowmobile accident on January 16, 2000. And 10 years old, I'm riding with my cousin. And then out of nowhere, lights went out. And before I know it, I'm all out of it. My cousin rushes me back to the house, runs me and my, uh, my family. And, um, you know, I'm losing consciousness. I'm coughing up blood everywhere. You know, because uh, when I was riding that snowmobile, you know, I got clotheslined um, by a bar about 50 miles an hour. And, um, you know, they rushed me to the hospital. They acted fast. The county hospital, they didn't have what I needed to keep me alive. They just bought some time. Um, they brought me to a larger hospital, which uh, saved my life, went to Madison. Uh, and uh, that was one of, one of the best days of my life um, because you know, it crushed my larynx, it crushed my esophagus, it crushed my trachea, crushed my vocal cords. So I couldn't eat for a year. They told me I'd never talk again. So I started learning sign language as a 10 year old that night in the hospital. Um, my vocal cords still don't work. My voice comes from scar tissue. Um, I had a trach for two years. So I had to breathe out of a tube on my throat for, for two years. And then dozens of surgeries later to get me back and it was obviously brutal going through, but in hindsight, I'm going back to like what I'm going through now. I mean, if you've been through hell and back, this is a cakewalk. So that's why I consider it one of the best days of my life because I have, you know, you only have one shot at this thing called life. And I was blessed to be reminded of that at a very young age where most people don't realize that, like truly internalize that until later in their life. So and that's been a big part of what fuels me every day, just trying to make the most of every single day. When did you, when do you think um, you made the epiphany that it was the best day of your life? Like I went through this too, like with my depression, right? Like after some time and perspective, it, it, it kind of became, you know, it, it became, you know, my superpower, right? You know, and when was the, I mean, was it, were you always that resilient as a kid? Like, it's like, yeah, I woke up that day and I was like, fuck it. I'm not going to let this get me down or did it take, I mean, did it take some time. It, it took time. It wasn't until like the lights didn't come on for it until about 15 years later. Right. Um, you know, as a kid, after going through that, one of the things that I gained from that, that I believe is a superpower is my ability to observe what's going on around me and just you know be very aware 
because I was forced to reserve. I had to go on the sidelines. I had to sit in the hospital while everyone was out and about. You know, when other kids were out of recess, I couldn't do that. And so I was forced to observe. So I mean, learn that skill, which I didn't realize was a skill till later, but it wasn't until, you know, I was probably mid twenties when I started to realize, cause I, my work ethic was very high and I was doing very well. It wasn't until then that it clicked for me, like where that really came from, because candidly, after my accident, I became pretty entitled and spoiled uh, because I was the baby of my family. Mm-hmm. I was the youngest. And imagine the youngest going through this tragic accident. So everyone's catering to me. So then I became entitled and spoiled. And then I had some people very close to me and specifically my, my grandfather that literally blue collar, hard nosed guy, construction, broke me like a wild horse. He's like, I don't care if you hate me. You're not going to be lazy. Like, I just will not have that in my life. Right, right. And that's yeah, I over here um, to defend himself because I've said the same thing to him that, you know, but it's, you know, that's nobody's fault. That's just what happens to people, right? Particularly when it happens at that age, you know, you, you figure out how to get people to help you do things and it becomes too easy to do. So um, I always yeah. about it, but uh, kudos to your grandfather for sort of, whipping you back into shape. Um, gonna take a quick break. Uh, and then um, I gotta, gotta give out our uh, next, oh good, oh snap. Something went wrong on the display. Gotta do our next little ad for HubSpot. When we come back, I wanna give you the mic and let you ask some questions as we always like to do. And we will go from there. And I'm pausing because this stupid thing won't reload. Welcome to Google. Welcome to the world of Google Docs and screen sharing. Oh, for fuck's sake. So are we off air then right now? No, we're on air. I'm just, it says I have no memory. Anyway, well, I'll have to go back and put it in, which is not what I normally like to do. Um, But that's what I'll have to do. So, Justin, coming back to you, questions you want to ask? What do you got? What do you got for, for me? I mean, really, you've been in the game a long time, right? You know, when did when did you know? I got fired. <laughs> no, it was um, that's the funny joke. Uh, the serious joke was I was working at a great company. I got laid off. They hugged me out the door. Uh, they really did do a nice job, which I thought was really appreciative. I well, not not thought was appreciative. I was very appreciative of it. Um, so that happened and you know i was interviewing around and i couldn't seem to get past like the fourth interview i couldn't figure it out and finally some guy called me out of the blue out of austin who i'd spoken with the year before um asked me if i could do some help i said yeah I'm, you know he was trying to hire me i'm like you're not going to hire me but uh you know i can be a consultant i like threw it out and i threw out this silly number of how much i thought you know he should pay me and uh and he's like, okay. So I had a client. Um, the next thing I know, um, I'm flying back on the plane and sit down next to this other guy uh, who's on the plane and he's uh, in suede shoes and a jeans and a blazer. And I'm like, that that dude's a startup guy. Nobody leaves Austin, Texas on a Friday, like just like this. And so we started talking and uh, turns out it was Nick Meta from Gainsight. We had this amazing conversation 
so much so that we got shushed by the flight attendant uh, a couple of times, even though we were, there was no booze, there was no drinking, we were just having a good time. Next thing I know, I had another client for 30 days. So I had 60 day clients, I'm making six months salary. Pick up the phone, I call John Barrows, who's a really good friend of mine, said, what do you think? He's like, it doesn't happen this way, Richard. <laughs> this isn't how it works. Uh, so uh, the world might be telling you something, so go for it. And that's what I did. So, so to that point, that conversation with John was my conversation, you know, with that you had with Scott in the water, right? Um, and like you, I've, I'm wired the same way. I've always liked helping people. I've always liked being in management to help others. I was a good salesperson. I was never the greatest, right? Never made it to President's Club, but I hit my numbers. And, uh, but I liked helping and you know, I liked managing. And so that was a, that was a big difference for me um, in that piece and where I think we both sort of match. Um, come up with another question and I'm gonna read my next HubSpot thing. So uh, for this one, I wanna give a shout out to uh, the HubSpot Podcast Network and a very, very good friend of mine, Donald Kelly. If you don't know Donald, please follow him on LinkedIn, gives some great advice. He also has a podcast called Sales Evangelist um and each week he interviews some of the best sales experts sellers sales leaders he's talked to people like Gittimer and Jill Conrath and Bob Berg and Guy Kawasaki um I need him to book my podcast holy shit um but uh he's the guy who just gives great advice tons of great advice about building a pipeline growing your pipeline I've talked to him a couple of times this year's 23 2023 and what his stuff is, uh, what he's recommending to people to grow pipeline. So please be sure to check out the Sales Evangelist uh, podcast on the HubSpot Podcast Network. All right, coming back to you, Mr. Johnson, the triple threat. Yeah. You're well, like you're like you're like Triple H, except you're Triple J. So I'm not near as jacked as Triple H. So well, that's all right. You know, we, we can get you some more steroids. Um what year was that flight with with Nick for you? it was a uh, 10 or 11 years ago yeah it was 2012 so okay. 2013 yeah so uh yeah. been in a decade right yeah so and and you know the funny thing is he negotiated he's like well can we negotiate it down and if i'd have been smart i said yeah give me options but i was an idiot so i didn't you know but well, at that point you're just trying to pay the bills right you're not right. that's true that's true i was just trying to pay the bills so uh, what else, what else do you want to ask? Anything? I mean, I want to know, you know, if you're talking to Richard from a decade ago, who's you know, just getting rolling, what advice are you giving to him based on all your bumps and bruises from last decade? Yeah, I think, um, one would have been sooner than I did expand my services, um, I specifically didn't focus a lot on sales ops in the beginning. I think that was a mistake because I could have built a second arm of the business. Interesting. Um, which I now have and I do and I do go to market strategy and all that stuff. Right. Um, but I, I specifically didn't do that. Like it was intentional. I don't want to do that. This is what I know. I'm going to stay focused on it. It's easy. It's a nice lifestyle business. I'm making good money, blah, 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 blah. Right. Um, so that would be the one thing. Um, I would also say that's a common theme in my head anyway, that no, don't make it any harder on yourself. And that has long-term compounding impacts. Um, look, and I was fine. Like, you know, 
you know, financially I was fine. I was still making good money as this, but uh, for making those decisions, there were the compounding interest in a negative way that, well, if I'd have expanded it, what could I have done? What could I have grown to and stuff like that? And that's a common theme throughout my life, you know, where it's like, I'll put more, put forth this much effort. Um, uh, but at this stage of my life at 40, whatever, when this was happening, I was like, I just don't want to, I just don't want to run like I was 20 something anymore. Right. That was part of the reason I went into this was I was tired and I was burnt. And so I, I think I hurt myself there. So that'd probably be my first thing is, uh, the other thing I would say also came from, um, Sturpin sales, one of our, one of our second or third ones and Scott Barker was there. And, you know, he made this very simple statement, which was just say yes to more things, right? So when people, which I've always been opposed to, right? Like, hey, Richard, you know, you know, can we help this? Can I, you know, can I pick your brain? And I was just a little bit like negative. It's part of the Gen X generation of like, fuck you, I figured it out, go figure it out yourself. Um, and that was a very big one. That one, that one I actually followed, which was, I'm going to start saying yes to more things. And I think that was the beginning of, me starting to open my ideas around additional things that I could offer to clients and stuff like that. So, um, but that was a simple one. Just say yes to everything because you can say no later. So, um, yeah, that, that's, that's the basics. I mean, what I'm thinking about that, cause it, what about you? I hear, Hey, if you want to do big things, you got to stay focused. Right. But you know, when you said yes, trying to diversify earlier, do multiple things. You know, it's really interesting. Mm -hmm. You're hearing from people, you've heard from people and you say yourself in your experience, I wish I would have diversified and maybe mm -hmm. had a mm -hmm. and yeah. that's, 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 that's really interesting. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think, I think the key for me, what I took away from Barker when he said it was say yes to the conversation. Right. Because nothing bad happens in a conversation. Right. Um, and that that's the part that started to open the door. It didn't mean, yes, I'm going to go do this piece. It meant, yes, I'm going to entertain the idea. Uh, the other thing I would do, I would coming back to your original question was I would have gotten a, a coach sooner, way sooner, but I was too stubborn and Gen X -y about it. You know, when COVID hit, I picked up the phone and called a guy, Alan Tarkowski. If you don't know Alan, really smart guy, built enterprise, global teams kind of stuff. And he uh, he coached me on building my business and rebuilding it based on the COVID model. And so he's been a very strong supporter and help behind the system. So I think I would have done that sooner, but I never wanted to. Like my ego couldn't handle it, which is probably a lot of the reasons for these other things, my ego couldn't handle the advice or my ego didn't want to admit that I built my business this way. And that maybe there's another way, you know, like I always need a person to kind of kick me in the ass, Barrows, Lease, Allen, you know, that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's it. Uh, what else? Or, or, or... Well, I mean, I just want to add, I mean, one of the things that has helped me through my entire career, mm -hmm is having a coach investing in a coach yep going back to what we were talking about earlier with your finances one of the things that i like to think about is if i can allocate you know just five percent of my income 
on an annual basis towards self-development in some capacity. Yeah. The upside of what you're going to learn is incredible. I mean, you think about, and it only takes one little thing. You know, you go to surf and sales, go to Costa Rica. Right. I learned an incredible amount of things. There's a lot right. of stuff. Covered. Yeah. I mean, and believe one me. Changed my life. And it's funny because I bet if we sat down, you could come up with 10 other conversations just like that, that you, if I said, Justin, give me about another conversation where you learn something in a quick moment, right? Um, and we have this conversation with alumni people all the time. So, um, and we just, we got to cut, so I can't ask you that question, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's there, right? Like, you know, you know, you, you probably already have three in your head. Um, but, uh, you know, so for people who've never been, this is why people come to Surf and Sales and why they come back and why we're having our alumni event this year. Um, we still have a couple of spots for Surf and Sales in November this year. So please check it out at surfandsales.com. Uh, Justin, tell people what you do and then how they can get a hold of you. We've been talking about your business, but we haven't talked about your business. So I, uh, I run, I'm the founder and creator of the beautiful Savage Sales Academy which is you know, a 12 month program that can take you um, from zero to a hundred. And what I focus on, which I think makes me unique is I teach people the three C's and it's master your conscience, master your craft and master your career. Because if you're gonna succeed, because my goal isn't just to help you make more money and commission, that's the easy part. I can teach you the skills, all that good stuff. But if you're going to win at this game called life and leverage sales as your vehicle, you have to think about the three C's of the tripod because you can be a killer seller. But if you don't know how to play the game in, in the corporate game, you're screwed, right? You can play the corporate game, but you don't know how to sell, you're screwed, right? And you have to keep your head on straight and master your mindset in the process to so actually enjoy yourself along the way. And so that's what I teach people to do in the academy. And then I consult with you know, tech companies around how to help them run, uh, run and build high performance sales organizations. And that's yeah. what I do. Cool. How can people find you? Justinjjohnson.com. But I want to call out that middle J is spelled out J-A-Y. Yeah. It's my full name. But of course, you can find me on LinkedIn yep. as well. Yep. Absolutely, man. Glad to have you. Thank you for sharing all this personal professional journey like you really like built yourself an amazing amazing life career capacity company so congratulations to all the success and uh, before we wrap up i got i gotta i gotta say this i was blown away by our conversation uh, a few weeks ago you know for folks that don't know you as i'm just learning to start the business not knowing which way to go in any direction I reached out you know, to Richard and I just said, Hey, can I just pick your brain? Like the most terrible way to approach someone. Like, can I just pick your brain? And they tell you not to do that, not to do that every time. But I, I had no value to give to him. I'm like, please just let me learn. And he was, you know, you were gracious enough to jump on a meeting with me. And I mean, I don't even know how many questions I asked you. It was a lot, but you were just like, here's everything. You weren't holding anything back, you know, and, and it was really when, when I've had those interactions, I've had a couple of them now with different you know, coaches, consultants, it blows me away. Like this community 
of how much everyone just wants each other to succeed to succeed. Yeah. So I was, you made my not my day, not my week. You made my month yeah. by just being a great human being. So thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Actually, I forgot to ask you one question, so we're not done yet. Okay, so, fire away. For the people who stick around. <clears throat> the biggest hurdle I see, and I'm curious if you think you're running into it. You go and you start this business, right? And you go, people go from side hustle to main gig. And then about three to six months later, they hit a wall. So their first couple of customers are people they know, right? They're uh, friends and family. They're, you know, just companies they know, people they know, et cetera, et cetera. What are you going to do when you hit that wall? Keep That's going. the part I see people leave. Keep going. I mean, it's come to like number one is having the systems. Yeah. Right. Take the systems. You can celebrate the small victories along the way. Control your inputs. Inputs drive outputs. Right. But like on a psychological level, it's like mastering your conscience comes into play. Right. When I get faced in those moments, because I get faced with those every day. Right. Um, what I tell myself, this, this, this quote, uh, it's actually, yeah, have it behind me on the wall. Everybody wants to be a beast until it's time to do a beast deal. <laughs> well said. Wow, that's good, right? You don't, yeah, I think, I think Clinton said, you know, you don't get to make peace with your friends, right? So, um, that's, that's a really well thought out thought. I appreciate that one. Yeah, I'm glad I got a chance to ask that. Um, that'll be the interesting thing when the shakeout occurs, right? If the shakeout comes um, and it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next three months. So I certainly wish you all the opportunity to, to get past that point. Like I hope it, you know, you know, I'll always take your call and answer questions. And, you know, for those who don't know, Justin's pretty much a direct competitor. So, uh, you know, we haven't run into each other yet on stuff, but uh, it'll happen and we'll, this is what it's like to be friends. Like, it, no, there's no frenemy bullshit. I hate that phrase. We're friends and we both want to see each other be successful. And there's a lot of business out there. So I keep wishing you well on, on your journey. You too, my man. Like, I, I can't thank you enough. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. So thank you. My pleasure, my man. Good to see you. Right. Likewise. Likewise.